Hello there, welcome to the Culture of Life podcast from Human Life International. I'm Tad Wojcik, the Mission Research Specialist, as always here with Father Shannon Moke. Tad, always good to be with you again. Yes, of course, absolutely, Father. Um, today we're talking about a little bit of a different topic, Father. We're not going to be doing an article that you've uh, done recently, but rather um, focusing on something that's very serious in the life of the Church today, pretty tragic. Um, and uh, without getting too specific, we're going to be addressing um, basically the fact that this is a period of immense confusion in the church, in the life of the church for the laity, um, with doctrinal confusion, and in particular with a lot of um, priests and even high-ranking prelates who are either, you know, looking the other way with respect to teaching errors, or in some cases um, recently uh, promoting directly uh, heresy. Um, And this is not a new thing in the life of the church by any means. This is something that's been happening since uh, the very beginning, uh, even before the resurrection, but uh, uh, also throughout the period of history. um, Actually, in the particular day of filming, we're uh, celebrating uh, St. Athanasius, who spoke out against the Arian heresy, which at the time was most of the prelates of the world uh, were promoting that uh, deviation from the truth. So um, I'd like to begin then, Father, talking about the, um, well, we will just discuss, not discuss, but mention some of the things that are prompting this. There's, uh, we'll we'll mention by name, Cardinal Hollerich, Mm -hmm. um, the president of the European uh, Confederation of Bishops Conferences, a couple of months ago, made some comments about homosexuality and saying the right. church's teaching was wrong. He was pretty direct, uh, saying that the church needs to change doctrine, uh, which is an oxymoron Correct. in the first place. But um, there are other related uh, events. The German bishops are uh, continuing to uh, bless homosexual unions and perform other um Pride, LGBTQ-related, um, lit, you know, pseudo liturgical functions, even after a definitive response to a dubia from the Vatican um, about whether this sort of thing was uh, permissible, which you know should not have even been that kind of a question. The dubia couldn't have even been raised uh, in the first place. It shouldn't have been raised because it's this, this perennial doctrine of the Church. But anyway. With all that in mind, Father, and just knowing that this is a very confusing time for for uh, the lay faithful and for priests like you who are not bishops but are struggling in this environment, as well as many good bishops, um, what are we to think? What are we to do? How are we to respond? Well, Tad, I mean, what you bring up, um, it's good for our audience just to be aware. And I think you, you, you really placed it within a very balanced approach, that this is nothing new. And at the same time, we don't celebrate because it's nothing new. We're, it's sad. It saddens us that, you know, throughout the life of the church that we've seen these these kind of ups and downs, these moments of time where we've seen great advancement of the church's teaching and, you know, people embracing that teaching fully. And, and then we've seen eight periods of time where we've seen dissent and discord and, and, and chaos, if you will, and, and re- with regard to the church's teaching. I just want to say you... you, you... It sounded like you said eight periods of time, but I think you meant to say ages, just in case someone listening, sure. uh, some right, of our right, listeners right. might, yeah. So I think what's what's important is, like, for example, let's go back to Paul VI with Humanae Vitae, which we've talked about numerous times here, you know, uh, that I've written on, we've, we've talked about it in our podcast. 
when he promulgated Humanae Vitae, there was dissent. And so uh, what the Holy Father did is what, as he said very beautifully, all he could do, one, is to uphold what the church authentically teaches. And, and I think that's always had the starting point for this, is for us, whether we be bishop or whether we be a priest or a lay faithful, a consecrated man or woman, is to always rest within the heart of the church, within, within the teaching of the church, and to trust that teaching. Even when you have people in high positions, you know, people making opinions, comments, even when they don't sound like opinions, they sound like very doctrinal statements and eloquently written and, you know, uh, and sounds pretty reasonable. But if it's against what the church authentically teaches, it's an error. And, in, and it's difficult for us who are not in positions of authority you know, to augment a change. You know, what we can do, though, for ourselves as individuals, first and foremost, is to understand what does the church teach? What is the teaching? So when you have someone like His Eminence that makes these comments, which in itself we know is not what the church teaches. And so for for such a bold proclamation... Now, first, Father, before we get into the, the mm-hmm. specifics of what the church teaches, I think we might actually start with the fact that that very fact that to us it feels you i mean you and i it feels very right. basic where when you say you know clearly that's not what the church teaches but to many because the role of of priests and prelates and bishops is to right. teach what the church teaches if they're saying something else that is where the confusion lies and so right. i think for some of our listeners maybe we can just go through how do we know first step what the you know why is it the case that just because Cardinal X says something, it's not necessarily what the church teaches, Correct. or even Pope X, right. uh, you know, uh, sure. let's... Well, I yeah. mean, I, I think it's just important. I mean, I brought a couple of books today, uh-huh. you know, that'll help us with understanding how to respond to that. Mm-hmm. So, for example, let's go back to Humanae Vitae. So when Paul VI promulgated Humanae Vitae on human life, and he upholds what the church has authentically taught and always will teach about human life, the transmission of human life, the dignity of marriage, and that these are truths, a truth being pushed in advance. So the truth of human life, the human transmission, uh, transmission of human life, the truth about marriage itself between one man, one woman, and a, a faithful, indissoluble, fruitful union. This is what we're talking about. Now, to an age, as you just mentioned, where people uh, maybe don't understand that, or maybe the narrative is very different, or people are advancing, kind of given the impression that there is another truth. Well, that's not the case. So where do we turn? So where do we look? And I think what's important is there are many places. And the first thing to do is is to go to to the church herself. And we live in a in a media age. We live in a social media age where we have internet. You know, we have access. And there are a lot of things out there that are that are false. But what I brought today is, are a couple of sources for us. And so the first one I uphold is is the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Now, it's not an end, it's not an exhaustive text, but it, it provides to us, a, you know, a, an understanding of what the Church teaches. And so here we can actually come to the Catechism and look up a teaching on marriage. What does the Church teach about marriage? Uh, on the transmission of human life, what does the Church teach? And if I had brought a copy of Humanae Vitae, that would be another source. Let me go back and read. What did St. Paul VI say in Humanae Vitae? If I'm looking for what does the church in her law, in a sense, what does she, through the, the, the law of the church, the canons of the church, what does she teach? Again, I can come to another book, and this is the Code of Canon Law. So here, 
we can come and we can see what does the church in her in, in her in the way how she quote legally approaches this. What are the the teachings of the church which this canon would uphold, and how does that teaching come to bear? And how, for example, myself as a priest. So how do I celebrate baptism? What are, what is the the form of that baptism? What are the actual words of baptism? What happens if I I get up and I say and I, I mean this respectfully? I baptize you in the name of this book. Well. It's an invalid baptism. It does it. it it's it. I've taken the the form and of which the church says this is how you are to baptize. So I don't have the right to change that. I don't have the right to augment that. The church makes it very clear. And as a priest, particularly, I promised to uphold what the church teaches and to advance. So these are just two. There are so many encyclicals, so many apostolic exhortations. Ted, there are numerous resources out there. For those that really want to understand. Now, at the same time, I can co- go back into the 80s, and for those who are have been with us, depends on, on person's age, can come back into a time, and uh, again, with Humana Vitae, and pull up different authors speaking very differently, including some of our prelates in the church at the time, priests at the time, very well-respected uh, theologians at the time, uh, but they were in error. And that's what Paul VI addresses. And, and John Paul did it, too, in so many of his encyclicals, you know, addressing ethical issues or moral issues that are affecting us each and every day. So for all of us, myself included, I mean, sometimes you hear something being presented and you're, the first hearing of it kind of sounds, okay, that, that, that sounds reasonable. I mean, I can, I can understand that. And, but there's still something within that says, well, it doesn't, it's, I'm, I'm still uncomfortable. Let me go back and read it myself. And, and then how does this fit in line with the church's teaching? And that's for all of us, you know, and, and it doesn't mean I have to be a theologian. It doesn't mean that I have to go out and get a degree, you know, and, and, and a master's in theology so I can understand. I can avail myself to, to what's available to me and to read this and to, and to recognize that I'm called in, in faith to ascend to what the church officially teaches, to, to give my heart, to give my, my mind, my body, all that I am to what the church teaches. And, and this is the challenge because sometimes we, we want to hear something uh, the way that we want to hear it. And sometimes we might tend to want to bend in, in a direction that kind of gives a little um, support to the position this person is upholding because maybe it's something that I'm struggling with or maybe I know someone struggling with or so like the issue of those who are struggling with same-sex attractions and you know we might have family members who are struggling with this at the cross that they're they're dealing with and we want to you know you know people you know they love each other they care for each other and this all is very real and people are trying to figure out how to answer what's my response to that so I could tend to kind of want to move in that direction maybe but this is where, again, I have to come back. What has Christ revealed? What has Revelation taught us about so much? Revelation meaning sacred scripture. What, what, is, what has been revealed to us? What does the magisterium teach? The magisterium meaning, you know, not only the bishops of today, the bishops of before, and what's the bishops that will follow in their fidelity to the church's teaching and advancing the church's teaching and calling us into unity of faith in the heart of the church's teaching. So what does the magisterium teach? providing us in this guidance. And that's where we have to place our heart and, and, and follow. So it's, it's a starting point of learning, of, of, of really growing in one's own knowledge. And for myself, you know, even before I was ordained a priest, I had that hunger to understand. I wanted to understand. And so for me, it was important. 
And because my faith was not just something that I, I just spoke about, it's, it's something not only that I speak about, but I wanted to live, and I wanted to live it joyfully, and I wanted to understand, and so to grow in my understanding. So I was always willing to read and, and, to, and to learn, and I, and I hope more people would take that posture, because today there are you know people, I think they're trying to address these issues. And, and so sometimes it's so easy, you know, to, to, to want to give way, you know, but and here I think what's important, you know, what I mean by give way, I mean, it was to kind of go with the, the secular mindset or to go with what we've seen in popular sentiment today. But, you know, but the church is not based upon emotion and sentimentalities. It's based in truth. It's based on the dignity of the human person and what we understand about the human person has been revealed. Yeah. And so, well, and the thing is people who have, the fact of the matter is, all of us has uh, have disordered passions, right? Mm. Um, just because you or I don't struggle with uh, the particular cause of a same-sex attraction, right. uh, we have other temptations. We have other uh, ways in which we can uh, our feelings, mm. sometimes strongly held, can lead us astray. But that's never the locus of uh, what right. is true, right? Exactly. And and um, Part of the challenge of the Christian life is, I mean, when our Lord says, take up your cross daily and deny yourself, that might mean just being assenting to something that we don't like or feel like doing, right. but like even going to Mass every Sunday, right. you know, if this is what is asked of us, yeah, it's it's kind of a cross, right. but the, you know, the perfection of the Christian life is that that eventually becomes joyful. Exactly. And then we can also see with the other truths of the faith by participating in right. the truth living it out even through the point where it's hard for us it then becomes something that we can really appreciate on, a, on, a, on an emotional level as well right. agreed yeah uh -huh. it's a, it becomes a, a habit for example our lord also says and, and, and as many of his teaching you know but reminds us love your enemy you know you know sometimes that's that's very hard very hard to do when someone's hurt you so deeply when someone has caused great pain great hardship uh, maybe taking the life of one of your family members. Maybe, you know, it could be a great tragedy and it's very difficult or you lost your livelihood because someone undermined your business. There's so many ways that that teaching of Jesus is put to the test. And it's something that I have to exercise daily. I have to, to as you said, I have to ascend, I have to give my heart to the teaching of our Lord and know that I can live it because of grace. And if I cooperate with grace and I live in grace, then those, those realities become actualized daily in my life. And so I can forgive. I can love those that maybe don't agree with me. And, and, so, and I can say that in pro-life movement, we, we do this daily. You know, we, we are sitting across the aisle from people, you know, many times who, who are very much against the view and a point that we have on human life. But these are also the same men and women as myself that Christ came to give life to and have it, have it abundantly. So I have to want the same thing for them. I have, even when we're completely on two different ends of the spectrum, but to love and to care. So, so Ted, it's, 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 that's why it's not just about one particular subject or topic. It's 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 a, it's across the entire spectrum of living our faith. And that's a, that's a good point, Father, because just because right now the secular world has this uh, sexual agenda in various ways, right. right? And it's basically the issue of sexuality that Correct. is the issue of is modern conflict, right? Pretty much. But it doesn't mean it couldn't be. So, you know, no one is really going against the church uh, right now on the question of 
uh, transubstantiation. I mean, right. there are people who don't believe, but it's not like a, a, a hot button right, issue exactly. right now. But at times it was. Right. And so that's, you know, one way I think that people, one, one criterion that people can use is, okay, what is the spirit of the age? And then we, whatever's against that is is a pretty good indication that that's actually the church's exactly. position. Yeah, we, I mean, we're dealing like Tad, you know, we have a conspiracy at hand, uh-huh. I mean, right now. I mean, but we've always had moments of conspiracy. You mentioned the very beginning with St. Athanasius. Yeah. You know, what was the, quote, the conspiracy of the day? What was the, what was happening in this moment? You know, we had a priest advancing a false teaching. And sadly, many people, you know, became a victim to that falsification to the point that you saw, you know, uh, like people like St. Athanasius being exiled up to five times because he stood for the faith. And, you know, we've seen that in many moments of human history, you know, where the narrative of truth is the small voice, the whispering wind, you know, small number. And, and right now, for, for us to be upholding what the church teaches authentically in an age that wishes not to hear it, in an age where there is great confusion and great falsifications of goods that God himself has given to his children, and, and for us to, to have a podcast, and like so many others, to, to elevate those goods, to raise those goods, to speak of those goods, we're, we're not in the popular sentiment. We're not in the, in the, in the, in the stronger percentage uh, we're on the, on the low end of that today. But that doesn't mean it, it, it means the truth is any less. It just means all the more we just have to stay, stay true, stay faithful. I mean, imagine the pressure, and, and anyone that knows the church's history, just going back to Humanae Vitae, we know the pressure that was being pushed toward uh, then Paul VI, the, the Holy Father. And we, we know that that's occurred many times in human history where people are put in the crucible. You know, what will they do? You know, and we, we think of, you know, I always think of the prophet Daniel when he stands up and defends Susanna. He defends the truth, you know, against a falsification, against a great lie. And she was falsely accused of adultery for right. our, our listeners. Yeah, and so he, he stands up. And you know, prompted by the by the Spirit of God, and and so and in that moment, you know, people are, are are amazed, and they had become you know you know victim to the to the false teaching, and in that case, these were elders. So in a way, we have elders today that are putting forth false teaching, a false understanding, and claiming it to be true, saying it's good, and for, for us, as we go back to that original question, is. What, what is my ear hearing? You know, and I, have I paused to ask, this is, is this right? And this is a challenge for all of us, is just because someone in a position of authority says something doesn't mean it's, it's correct. You know, I mean, you and myself right now, Tad, on this podcast could be pro- promoting something false. And it would be up to someone to say, hey, what are they doing there? But we're not promoting anything. No, false. we're doing our right, utmost right. to, we're to, doing our, to, exactly. to follow the, the church's teaching. But, it, but it's, that means that the, 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 the one listening, really it's on them to, to find out, is, are they saying something correct here? Is this right? And, and so it's a challenge today because we have so many voices. And because of the Internet and social media, it's, it's immediate. You know, So when His Eminence made those comments, that becomes headline because the headline wants that to be heard, you know, those in the position. But if that same cardinal had said very strongly, well, this is what Revelation teaches us. This is what the magisterium has upheld, you know, from our time of our Judeo uh, root. This is what we have always upheld within Christian uh, teaching. And here we are. 
it would not have made the headline. It, it, it might have made the local paper. Right. You know, why? Because it doesn't go with the narrative. And the, and the secular media really right. wants to portray the Catholic Church in particular, but all Christians as, Correct. oh, look, finally, basically, we're, we're right. beating them. We're winning, right. uh, you know, portraying it in that sense because right. it really is a battle. Uh, exactly. And even and, when our Holy Father, who has made, you know, a, a, number, a number of comments on these issues, whether it be about those struggling with same-sex attraction, whether it be with those who are dealing with the issue of abortion or contraception or the, the transgender, our Holy Father has made some very, very strong comments about these. That's correct. And and so he's and uh, and oftentimes, you know, I, in my travels, Tad, I mean, I sit on airplanes quite a bit because of mission travel, and people ask questions, and they'll say, "Well, well, the, the Holy Father said this, or you know, Father so and so said this, or Cardinal so and so." And I said, "Well, can you show me that, please? You know, is, do you have a copy of that? What he said?" And I said, because, and maybe I might be familiar, especially if it's something that's alleged that the Holy Father said, I'm probably more alert to what our Holy Father is saying, because I, I keep up with the news. But a, a priest in a parish that I don't know about, I'm not going to be familiar with. So, but many times I have, I'll correct people. I said, that's not what the Holy Father said. And I may be very familiar with that particular situation and able to say to the individual, no, this is what the church teaches. And what our Holy Father said about that is this. And so it's, it's, we have to be, in a sense, gently, gentle and bold. It's care for the person that's posing a comment, try to answer their question and, and direct them. And so that's what I would say again here is, you know, uh, is for us, whether it be of his eminence's recent comments that you, you made reference to in the beginning, or whether, you know, anyone else that we may be reading you know, they're always very sadly because of the uh, of the situation we find ourselves today. There is dissent, and I, we're not going to pretend it doesn't exist, and we shouldn't celebrate it either. It's not a joyful thing that uh, that we're proud of. Oh, we have dissent. No, it it causes harm. It causes more confusion. And we, what we need today is clarity. What we need is to to kind of part the water and and really clear up the matter, make clear statements, make clear comments, and and point people. To those those documents that will uphold that, and and and, and, and yeah, that, that's one thing. Is the, the as far as the documents go, people say, oh well, I don't know about these documents or whatever. How can I? Why can I? You know, what's the the veracity of different documents? The Church's teaching has you know the the, the current Catechism. You go back to the Baltimore Catechism. You go to the Catechism of the Council of uh, Saint Pius X, Catechism of the Council of Trent, all the right. way back to the teaching of the Twelve Apostles, which the, is the, the oldest. Yeah, the Didache. It's it's all there. Exactly. Uh, we, the church has had a perennial tradition that is upheld. Which is exciting and beautiful. And for, for myself, you know, who loves to learn, but I have great trust. I trust the church. You know, I trust in what she teaches and what authentically is being promoted. And, and that's why for myself, when I hear someone in a, in a position of authority, you know, no matter who that person is, you know, whether they be a parent, that's a position of authority not teaching their children, you know, or a godparent, not helping their godchildren. Anyone that has authority is responsible. Jesus himself says, to the one that much is given, much is expected. And so for myself, and that's why I'm always, you know, I try to be very 
alert to what I speak and what I write because I don't want to give a false impression. I don't want to mis intentionally misguide someone. I don't want to, you know, cause confusion. I want to try to bring clarity. And so I'm very aware of what I say and, and, and what I and what I write or answer a question. And and if I don't know, just say that. I can't answer your question in this moment. But give me your phone number, you know, give me your email address and I will look it up and I will I will help you. I will call you back. It's important not to be afraid. There's so much out there. And and to be able to answer people's questions. Sometimes they you can get kind of asked a pretty pretty hard question and you're trying to think it through, but you need time to think it through. And so we I'm very cautious in just leaping because again, I want I might, that might be my only opportunity that I will have in that moment. And so I'd rather say, I don't know, but I can find out and maybe be given another opportunity than to, to pass. Now, and that does happen. I mean, and many people in positions of authority are in those kinds of moments. And uh, so it's really up to me to take the lead, to take the onus to say, let me help you with that. And, and many times I've had to, you know, uh, correct, fraternal correction, you know, in situations with people in, in different ways of, their, of, of life. And, and, but we do that because we love. We do it because we care. And that's what, I, that to me is what I've always, it's what I love about our church. It, it's, it's a loving mother. It cares. She cares. It, she cares, right? She genuinely cares about me and about my well-being, even when I need to be corrected. And I do. Mm-hmm. She, she's there to correct me. This is the truth. And this is something, that's why we're our lay faithful. And, and even like you said, Ted, it affects me as a priest, and I'm and, um, and those bishops who are living the fullness of the church's teaching and advancing as as shepherds of the church and as successors of the apostles who are doing their best, you know, to 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 uphold the church's teaching and to express the church's teaching. This has to be difficult too. I know it's difficult for me when I hear something like that because the, you know I'm not given a national or international microphone, you know. To, to, to counteract that. So people always ask, well, why doesn't someone correct it? Well, the church does. You know, it may not be in the way, in the means that we see today uh, out in the media, but there are moments, there are, the church is there, and there are people that are making phone calls and connecting and, and making corrections. It may not be in the speed we would like. It may not be in the means that we would like. It may not think, we may seem that nothing's being done, and respectfully, Maybe that is true. Maybe not in the in the quickness of how I would like to see it happen. Like, for example, his eminence, <clears throat> has anything been said since? And again, some people say, well, haven't heard anyone, uh, you know, in authority speak back to that. Well, maybe on, in the public forum, but we don't know what's been said in, in, in other circles. And at the same time, I would say, because it was spoken in the public, yeah. It should also be corrected in a public manner. And there was an open letter from, I think, uh, the number I heard was 70 prelates around the world and then in go- growing, uh, uh, signed, just reaffirming church teaching, nothing Correct. special in that sense. But That's uh, right. But actually, Father, this is important because we can get onto the topic of the fact that, you know, we're wading into this world of, of Catholic media here at HLI, and there's a lot of uh, vitriol about this kind of thing in the Catholic media mm-hmm. world because we're in such a frustrating and disheartening situation right. many times. Uh, there are a lot of scandals in the church and a lot of confusion and darkness. 
but the tendency that uh, we can observe is to sometimes respond in a in a in a in a rash or uncharitable way, right? right. Um, so how can lay Catholics or or priests actually really it's for all of us? Right. Um, how can we do the right thing? How can we give um, uh, appropriate witness and right. even filial correct correction uh, or fraternal correction at the appropriate time without being uh, you know, falling into the sin of wrath? Right. Yeah, it, 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 it is a challenge, Dad. I mean, I mean, anyone who uh, is honest knows sometimes we we rise and sometimes we fall in the sense of our response. And, uh, and especially depends on, you know, what the situation is. I mean, I have been, you know, in my now almost 29 years of priestly life in, in moments of, of, of that have been difficult, you know, when you're uh, in a position of authority, but you have people who are in greater authority than myself. And, you know, and we're, we're dealing with, you know, issues of current day. And, you know, and, and so you're, you're wanting, you know, a quicker response to a situation. You're looking, you know, for guidance from, from, from those in authority. And so I can relate in many ways to our lay faithful, you know, who then look at people at my level of authority and above and, and looking, you know, for a clarification, looking for, you know, and, and the tendency is to kind of fall into this uh, kind of, like you said, a rash judgment, a, a harsh criticism. Now, I can criticize, you know, for example, <clears throat> we brought up, pardon me, sorry, in the, um, that, you know, his eminence's comments, okay? My response is not about his eminence. My response is to what he says, and what he said is incorrect. And so to be able to say that is not being disrespectful, and sometimes people don't know how to do that. And it's actually even a matter of, of uh, right, we leave the personalities out of it. It's it's actually uh, like the philosopher in me or the logician in me just says we are examining propositions and giving assigning a truth value, true, false. Right. So this proposition made, doesn't matter if it was a cardinal, whatever, false, right. false proposition. Exactly, um, exactly. And that's all we so have So someone to, comes out and says one plus one is five. False. <laughs> Are we going to come out and say, oh, that sounds good to me. That sounds great. Some people would. But no, it's, it's false. And so, but again, not making the, the, the person the issue. And if this if it's an individual I can reach and I can speak to, then I can talk to the individual. I mean, Scripture does teach us this too, right? You know, is fraternal correction is a good. And you know, because why? We care for the other, the other person. We want to help guide that person who is in error, who has an erroneous thought, or promoting something that is in error. So we, have, we want to correct it. At the same time, I may not have that opportunity. So I can address what is I write on this so often, you know, and I try very much to stay away from the personalities. I'm, I'll quote the person, but I don't make the person the subject of my address. It's the issue. And, and so... With that said, I would next point I would make with that, Tad, is so how do we respond? How do we deal with this? So the other thing I would say is, for example, parents, you know, who are the primary educators of their children. It would not be, you know, unknown to, to anyone who is listening that we have sometimes had to deal with poor catechesis, false catechesis, very poor catechetical documents are very weak in what they're, in what they're offering, our, our lack of doctrinal teaching in some of these catechetical texts. So, but that's where parents have to step up and realize that, you know, my parish or my diocese may be, you know, not advancing what I would like to see advanced, but that's where I need to step in, you know, and, and supplement or be the primary one that teaches. 
You know, if I'm the parish priest and let's say, you know, a diocesan official doesn't always quote be the bishop. It could be someone working on a diocesan level. It could be in the diocesan paper. Maybe they, they published a syndicated article that, you know, just got underneath my skin. What do I do with it? You know, and, and maybe I have the ability to write. Maybe I'm very gifted, you know, in, in, in church teaching. And I, I write an editorial back. I write something back. Again, trying to correct. You know, there's so many ways to approach this that, I mean, it's hard to, to go through all of this in a sense of how each person should respond. But I would, I would challenge all of us is to look at this from, from, the, from the spiritual and to look at it from an, a, a place of virtue and a place of care for the other person and, and, a, and a love of truth and a love for the truth and a love that we want to see the truth really upheld so high for all to see. And as we are taught to let our light shine, you know, to, to really be the leaven in that, in that situation. And that's what we all call to do. And we all have to ask ourselves, how can I do that? So, so oftentimes, you know, when someone would say to me in the parish, you know, uh, about a, a situation, and I would say, you know, everyone has a right to quote, to write their bishop, you know, but when you write something, make sure it's respectful. State your point, state your concern, but always be respectful. I mean, and if you do so, then then the bishop will receive it in the manner in which you have given, and he'll be able to respond. Or maybe he can respond in a general manner, in, in, in a, or maybe an article. Maybe he'll write something because you're raising an issue that he's concerned about. But if I come in, you know, with uh, my, 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 my kind of the bull in the china closet, my response always is going to be pretty much most of the time, they're just going to shut you out. So, so each of us has to use our skills, our gifts, our position, and exercise, again, virtue. What I mean by that, prudence, you know, temperance, to be able to know when to speak, how to speak, if to speak in those moments, and to use all, the, all my ability to address those things and, and not become frustrated. And of course, the devil would love to be frustrated, get all angry, you know, get the blood pressure roaring. And, and sometimes maybe in my heart, you know, especially when I hear things that you, like you brought up, Ted, yeah, it bothers my spirit. It really causes me angst and, and a feeling of, of disappointment. And sometimes maybe even within myself, a feeling of anger, a frustration that this is being allowed to, to, be, to be given opportunity to, to be considered a truth. And it's not the only t- thing that's out there. We have many things that are out there. So, but I have to step back. And, and really look at myself first, okay, then I need to prepare myself to respond to something like that. And that's important, Father, I think for all of us to hear because really, um, I, and, and this is a theme that many good uh, priests and bishops and actually the Holy Father himself uh, in recent years has uh, put forward that um, I think it's a time period, and tell me if you agree, Father, for us to cultivate perfect trust in the Lord. Or more perfect trust, right. at least, because um, you know the storm is raging and the boat is being rocked. But right. that doesn't mean our Lord is right. not aware of what's going on, exactly. and, and He wants us to be faithful exactly. to Him. And it's, I think also, Tad, it's. Uh, I mean, obviously, our Lord is not wanting to see the promotion of, of falsifications and, right. and untruths. He, no, He wants the truth to be to be advanced. He wants the truth to be proclaimed. And, and, and as He says, the truth is what sets us free. So at the same time, I also trust in His permissive will. But it's, it, at the same time, I, I, I had this conversation just recently, and I have to look at myself, because it's, it's these moments 
help me to become more refined, help me to become more knowledgeable, to be more articulate, um, to ask more deeper questions. And, and so if I, were, if I were the counterpoint, let's say, to his eminence on a press conference, what would be my response? What would, have, what would have been my response in that moment? You know, if I had been in the audience and someone put a microphone right in my face, what, what do you think? What would have been my response? What would I have said? You know, and, and so I think it's, this is a moment for us to, to prepare ourselves, you know, to, to become more knowledgeable, you know, not just for the sake of knowledge, but for what we can do with that knowledge and how we can help correct false, but also promote what is good and to help others to appreciate. That's what I love about today. You know, John Paul, you know, I remember, uh, and I know we maybe have quoted this before in talking with you, Tad, but I remember one of the times that when John Paul was in the United States, and he, as he always would, he would thank the media, you know, thank those with television and radio, you know, and the news press for covering those apostolic visitations and how grateful he was that, because not everybody could attend, but through those mediums, his voice could be carried to other people, you know, who sit in their homes and because they couldn't travel. And at the same time, he would challenge them, you know, that they have a great power in their hands to advance good and advance what is true or to take a different path. And I think we're still there today, obviously, where we have to recognize that we all have an authority and a, a power to advance or to detract. And, and, and it's sad when we have detractions. And look, I, as, we, as we started with, and I know that we're, we're not going to resolve it in this podcast, it is very frustrating when we have people in the highest positions of authority within the church promoting things that are contrary to the church's teaching, and that will never change. And it is frustrating, and especially when we don't hear uh, a rebuttal, a, a response that we would want to hear immediately. Right. And it can be overwhelming. And, and so, but I would say that I understand and I can, I can relate and I can feel it. At the same time, I do know that when I consider the, 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 the life and witness of John Paul and look at the, the, the amount of writing and his Wednesday audiences, and, and this is what our Holy Fathers are doing. So, you know, it, it, it may not be the means that I would say, why don't you go at this a little more, more vigorously? Well, that, they do in a different way. And so, again, I turn back toward what is the church authentically teaching. So John Paul's response, you know, to uh, like, like Paul VI, it was humani vitae. What was John Paul's response? Veritatis splendor. What was his response? Familiaris consortio. What was his response? You know, you start looking at his, the response of the church. It's making those corrective moves on that ship. Knowing what Christ said, I am with you always, and not even the fires of hell shall prevail. So the idea is trusting. God is always with me. The truth is entrusted to the church to advance. She is, even in moments of difficulty, and, and I, truth is still being advanced, always will be. And in fact, greater good will come from this. Of course, of course. And, and let's be honest, we're having a podcast because of what is imminent said. That's yeah. So I mean, granted, I don't want his eminence to say what he said, but at the same time, it's now made people stop. That's it. What does the church teach? And so, how many podcasts had? How many? How many radio programs? How many? You know, Catholic answer questions came to Catholic radio. <laughs> you know, what does the church teach about this? And so, it's given people a chance. Again, we're not there. Go do that just for that sake. But now that it's been said, 
there are many people that are responding. So that's actually getting it out there, as we did recently with one of our podcasts with a sad situation of all those uh, aborted little boys and girls in in Washington, D.C. You know, that story is still being talked about. And, you know, and so it's it's allowing people to, to become more aware. Look at the whole issue that we've seen, you know, uh, under this, this time of, of, with COVID. You know, how many people have, you know, have learned now what was going on in their school systems, you know, because of because they were homeschooled, they were seeing what's being uh, on their on their computers. They were, parents were able to see what's yeah. going on. So on the they're, they're, these are moments learning. that, like you said, where there's something that we can learn, and so we have to approach it that way. No, we don't want that to be said. Of course not. It causes harm and it causes confusion and it makes people, you know, uncertain. No, but despite what's been said. Look at the look at the responses, and so that's why I always point people. And I, and I, I used to do this in the parish, Tad. When someone would ask me a question, and of course I had read, c- continual contact with them, I would say, "Tell you what, I like you to do. I want you to go home. I want you to open up the catechism. I want you to read article, and I give them the articles. Or I say, I want you to go back, and I want you to open sacred scripture, and I want you to read these passages. Or here's a little encyclical. I want you to read paragraphs or whatever. Then come back and see me." I'm not going to give you the answer. I want you to go read it yourself and then come back with your questions. Come back with, you know, because your heart wants this. Now, again, that's because I had more of an opportunity to follow up, but I'm not always given that. You know, sometimes on live radio, you get a question, you know, sometimes in a TV, live TV program, or even a recorded one, an audience member in an open mic ask a question. You have to be respond. You have to respond. Or, like I said earlier, sometimes I have to be very, very honest, which I should always be honest. But to honestly, I don't know the answer. I'm unfamiliar with that situation, you know. But you know, after this broadcast, let's talk about it, you know, because sometimes you just don't know how to respond in that given moment. And again, you don't want to misguide someone. But I, I see this as as an opportunity. I see this as something with with all that is happening. There is something good here that I am called as an individual, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, as a priest, as one with authority, as the president of Human Life International, I have something to offer. And if I can allow, not allow, if I say, Lord, here I am, do with me as you will, use me as you will, I'm your instrument here, let me be your pen, let me be your, your, your voice in this moment, then my prayer always is, Lord, give me the strength to speak what's right. Give me the wisdom, you know, which means, you know, God doesn't come in, you know, I wish he would sometimes and open up a little zipper and pour out all those wonderful things. But I have to go and read, you know, but he is there. He's guiding me. Go here. Look at this. And and he has. I've, I've been, I'm always amazed uh, how God guides me in these moments. So, but I would say the same thing to all of us, you know, as, as disciples of the Lord. We we really need to, uh, to learn. So uh, I'm not afraid. Uh, I'm, I'm disappointed. In, in the chaos and confusion, it, it is, disappoints me greatly when things that are harmful are being advanced as something good. It, it, it disappoints me that those in authority maybe are not addressing it as I would like them to address, or maybe, it, as you said, Tad, sometimes we they're not addressed at all, which causes even more difficulty. But I think there are many good, good Catholic groups out today that are providing answers they, they're out there, either on podcasts, they're on radio. Catholic Radio does a fantastic job, you know, of, of getting answers out there. Uh, there's so many wonderful sources out there. So I or know, EWTN. Exactly. Or the Human Life International. International you know, and, 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 there's so many out there, 
And it's, it's, it's allowing our, our, our gifts to shine, giving glory to God, you know? So, so despite the disappointment, it gives us so many more reasons to, to be proud of our church and proud of our of, of the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ and and you know and as as the disciples and as we heard in the uh, in, uh, in in the Acts of the Apostles they celebrated being caned or they celebrated being put in, in jail for that moment and being to being, suffer for the glory of the name and I, and I think that's what it is and, and you know and uh, we shouldn't be afraid of that either so no. it's 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 a, it's, a, it's a it's a good time it's a difficult time but it's a good time. Right, and I think it's always a good time with the Lord. Amen. And so, um, just one final thing. Well, for, I wanted to just note that um, another thing that just very briefly here, we don't have to talk about this, but I think one thing that we can all consider as well is the fact that, you know, look inward and say, hey, where have we been failing? Because the, the holiness of the church right. as, a, as a corporate entity, meaning as a body, not a corporate entity like a, a Sure. McDonald's or whatever, or Disney, is uh, is affected by each of our individual sanctities. Right. So if we can add a little sacrifice or uh, really it starts with prayer and, and ends with prayer too, um, works of charity, the corporal spiritual works of mercy, then maybe we can start seeing in ourselves a growth in holiness and a, and a, and a, and a change in, in the church as well. Agreed. It's, uh, it's, it's the call of our Lord to each one of us, come and follow. And, and and that's why you know it's it's a, it's a moment for us to, to I mean uh, Paul the sixth talked about this about the need for witnesses and the reason why people follow a person is because they're giving witness and, you know and, and this is what we want you know we, we we have all the teaching you know it's it, and, and we have wonderful people promoting that teaching and, and advancing that teaching we have great theologians and great philosophers today many great disciplines within the church articulating and applying the church's teaching to all these various situations of human life. And so they're out there, they're doing phenomenal work, you know, and, and so, but it's, it's, they're doing their part. But like you said, Ted, I have to do my part. And, and, and if each of us are contributing to that good, then that light shines brightly. And, you know, and, and I think what makes the comments of his eminence, you know, such a, a, a kind of a, a, a kind of a shakeup is that we, the, because of the good that people are doing and what the teaching that people are, are addressing, recognize there's something wrong. This is wrong. And that's, that means that people are becoming more and more aware that there is a truth, there is a goodness, and that's the part. There is the good of, of human life. There is the beauty of the human person. There is the dignity of, of love. There is the dignity of marriage between a man and a woman that God himself has created and made man for woman and woman for man. You know, in, in this beautiful union we call marriage, and it's, that's a sacrament within the church that Christ himself has established. These are goods that we have to advance. And, and so, so if we are sensitive to that, then we will, we will know that we have to respond. But each one of us has to live it. And each one of us has not to be afraid. And not to be afraid to, 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 or to say this is good or this is bad. And that takes courage. But as you said, and I, that's what I think it's a great way to, to, to draw ourselves to an end is, but I have to come before the Lord myself. I have to be fed by the Lord, nurtured by the Lord, you know, to continue to grow in a closeness to my Lord Jesus Christ, to allow the Lord to really be the, the center of my life and who I am, and to allow my gifts through the Lord to shine forth. 
and and not to hide them. He says, you don't don't place it under a, a tub. You know, you place it on a stand high where everybody can see it. Let your light shine. And and that's what we have to do. And we have to find a way to do that. And we have to, and no matter where we are in a state of life, no matter where we are in authority and positions of responsibility, we have to do it. And silence is not the answer to these situations, all right? There's a time for quiet reflection, yes. A time to grow, understand, absolutely. But we have to get out there and proclaim. And in a way, our Lord said that, right? You know, and, you know it's, I send you out. Send you. You go. Proclaim. And that's what we have to do. And it, it, it takes great, great trust in God. And, and that's, that's why I think it's a call. It's for all of us. This is a time for us to draw near. You know, as our, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, did not our hearts burn within us as we walked along the way? And what did the Lord do? He opened the scripture to them. He opened truth. So it burns and and it's exciting. It's an exciting place to be. So <clears throat> it's a great challenge. Yeah, but it's ours. It's ours, and 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 the Lord is with us in it. Um, so finally, Father, I just wanted to just to thank you for being a, a strong, courageous Catholic leader uh, in these times. Um, and I I hope that our listeners feel the same way, our viewers, that uh, you know we can look up to someone. And there are many. There are many of your brother priests, um, as well as lay leaders. Um, whom we can really look up to. Um, so with that in mind, then, just one last word of encouragement maybe about what, what keeps you strong. Uh, maybe a, like, I don't know, adoration, something, just whatever, however the sure. Lord has maintained you. From just, I just, Tad, it's a great way to, you know, to end because just recently, you know, the, uh, I was talking with a, uh, a young man, a young father, husband, you know, was telling me, you know, just struggling with what we're seeing and wanted to know how I kept a smile. And, 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 and the answer is very simple. My, my suggestion to him is have a devotion to the Holy Mass. Mm-hmm. And as a priest, of course, to have a devotion to the Mass, to, to want to celebrate this great prayer, this great offering. And, but all of us have, should have a yearning for that, a closeness and a devotion. You know, the daily rosary is so important, daily reflection. You know, whether that be with the Word of God, Holy Scripture, whether it be with reading something that's in relation to our, 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 our spirituality and growth, reading the lives of the saints, whatever that may be. But, you know, adoration, you know, again, just drawing near to the Lord. And that's not just for me as a priest, you know, that's for all of us. And, you know, it, it, the Lord has to build this house. The Lord has to fill this cup. Otherwise, it's a dry cup. All right, and and the house is not built on rock; it's built on me, which is going to fall. You know, so that's what I would recommend. I mean, it's it doesn't have to be complicated. You know, it just the Lord has provided the, the gifts that we need. He's given us the church. You know, and and the church is not that one individual. And that's what you were saying earlier. And 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 I think that's important for me never to forget. You know, it's not about this one person's comment. And people all everyone's got opinions. You know, so. This person just has an opinion, just happens to, to be a, a high-ranking person in the church. But he has an opinion. The opinion's wrong, but he has an opinion. But, you know, but he's not the church. He's a member of the church. He's part of the, part of the body of Christ. Needs to be guided. Needs to be corrected. So, so it is with myself. So I, I got to keep drawing near. And that's what I would advise. Stay prayerful. Stay close to the sacraments. Stay close to the confessional, especially. You know, stay humble. And just keep saying, Lord, here I am. You know, 
use me as you will. Show me the way. You know, just like Bartimaeus, I want to see. You know, I want. This, so what do I want? You know, and that's, that's what keeps me going. And, and also, Ted, I, and, I'll, and I'll end with that, is it's people, again, like yourself and so many other wonderful people out there who are believers, who are courageously living their faith every day. That inspires me. It inc- and I, meet, I have the joy of meeting wonderful people like this in this service to HLI. You know, uh, and, and, and it's encouraging because they're doing far more than myself and, and, and doing great things for the glory of the Lord. And, and for the love of their brothers and sisters and laying down and sacrificing so much for advancing that good. And so there are, for every little bad egg, you know, there are 11 other eggs in that crate in a little, all right, who are doing great things, all right? Meaning there's great people doing great, wonderful things, shining brightly, and that's encouraging. And, and so that's, that also inspires. And you know, and, and when you meet them, it's attractive, it's contagious. And that's what we need. We just need, we need to have more of a, and of course, in this day and age when people are worried about viruses, but we need to be a virus. We need to be a, a, a contagious virus that leads people to Christ. And when I meet people like that, it, it gets me off my own laurels and says, okay, I have to do more too. So that's, that's the encouragement. Wow, yeah. Thank you, Father, for, for those words of encouragement. And again, thank you for your own witness. Um, we really really can look up to people like you at this time and um we're grateful for that and we're grateful for you here at hli um and all of our your witnessing uh, to to the truths of the church and, and and jesus christ ultimately the church is his body um he's in control and jesus christ is the same yesterday today and forever the church's teaching does not change and it is um perfect charity that's really ultimately the teaching of the churches and the father yeah exactly Uh amen all right well with that said then um we thank you again um please like and subscribe on our youtube channel uh keep on following us on spotify amazon and apple podcasts and uh, keep on living the culture of life thank you god bless